Welcome to the Weekly Spiral. You are tuned into episode 98. Today we are Casey-less. One of our co-hosts is not with us. I think this might be the first time he's missed an episode. Not 100% sure on that. We'll have to fact check. But I think he. this may be the first time. Nonetheless, though, I got my co-host Durgan with me as per usual, and we're going to have a good time here. Maybe a little shorter of an episode, but we got some exciting stuff to talk about. Um, we're going to go over the uh, best players under 25 according to Pro Football Focus, give you our thoughts on that. And then we're going to go into uh, some interesting would-you-rather scenarios that my man Durgan has come up with, and uh, I could not be more excited to dive into it. But first and foremost, how you doing, man? I am doing very well. Uh, like you said, Casey is gone, so we're not doing the usual divisional recaps or previews. Uh, Casey's on a spiritual, spiritual journey right now, uh, looking for the meaning of life when it pertains to the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. Yes. So just because he's not here... Doesn't mean that Aaron Rodgers is, isn't on his mind 24-7. He might be on the islands of Greece hanging out with a lot of cool people. But in the back of his head, he's thinking, where is Aaron Rodgers and is he playing this year? I heard he saw like Aaron Rodgers was in Greece and he went <laughs> to Greece because of that. So, and, no, and, then, I, uh, and then he called Audible and he decided to go to Montana and play in that golf uh, match the other day where his team actually won. So, yes, no what, I saw that. No matter what, Aaron Rodgers comes through with a win in 2021. Did you see what uh, Gronk said about Aaron Rodgers? Yeah. yeah. I forget what the context was. He was talking to like Tom Brady on the phone or something, and Tom Brady was part of the tournament. And then uh, Brady said he was, Brady was making a joke. He was like, I'm scouting Aaron Rodgers, the leader of the Packers, I think. That's what he said, because nobody really (laughs) knows, right? And, uh, And then Gronk said something like, he said, Aaron Rodgers is lazier than I was when I was retired or something. (laughs) Something like that. Um, Throwing some shade, but in a joking manner, of course. Uh, of course. But yeah, you know, no uh, no digs at Casey about Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, as is tradition when we start these episodes. But um, <laughs> we're going to dive in here. Let's talk about this list. Pro Football Focus has put out a list ranking the top 25 players under 25. The top 20 under 25. Top 25 under 25 um, entering this season. Some of these yes. are interesting. I'm looking at this list right now, and I'm a little surprised at some of these in terms of where they're placed. I'm sure number one is going to get you all riled up and excited, and you're going to explain why it's correct. But um, you want to you want to dive into this? What do you think about this list overall? Yeah, so this list uh, is the top 25 players under 25. So you can't be 25 because if it's 25, included so 24 Mahomes, and under, 24 and under, okay, because uh, 25 year olds like a Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. So that kind of takes the fun out of it yeah. when two of the best players in the league are are in it. So it's under 20, 24 and under, and. Pro Football Focus, they do a lot of good things, but I think they do a lot of bad things as well. But their scoring metrics always cause some sort of controversy. And that's how this list is created. And there's be some guys on this list that are much lower than you think, and there would be some guys that are much higher. So to kick it off, uh, their number one player on this list isn't the MVP, Lamar Jackson. It's Niners linebacker Fred Warner. And I'm just gonna go through the list uh, in order through one through uh, five, one through ten. Let's go one through ten. Okay. We have Warner, Warner Jackson, AJ <laughs> Brown, uh, Nick Bosa, Jair Alexander, Mika Fitzpatrick, Chase Young, Justin Jefferson, Tristan Wirfs, and DK Metcalf. Um, and if you go by a list of like, or in, for example, like Kyler Murray on this list is 15th, and Justin Herbert is 17th. So they're they're not showing much love to the quarterbacks. But Fred Warner being a top player on this list like got me excited. But I'm like, really? Like. He's an incredible player, but some of these guys on this list are superstars. Yeah. And Fred Warner, he's had you know three solid years, but this year he really came into the zone. But it kind of shows how you know PFF has their own 
grading system and how the casual person or maybe the person who watches the games but don't understand the kind of background uh, and everything, their list would be a lot different than their list. So Fred Warner is a great player, but he's not a guy making huge hits every week. He's a guy who does really well in coverage, and a lot of times that stuff goes unnoticed unless you're getting interceptions, which he doesn't get a whole lot of. So, um, yeah. And I, what's your thoughts about it? Because we're going to go through and give our top players on 25. Yeah, I mean, listen, like Fred Warner, great linebacker. We've we've talked about my position on the position of yeah. linebacker in general, just that, you know, I don't value it as much as other positions, but I, I don't know. It's it's an interesting spot that that they've put him in here at 1 because there's a lot of talented people on this list on this on this list of 25 and I think Fred Warner is underrated if anything. Like Yeah. I don't know that he's number 1 out of this list, but I don't think people give him the respect he deserves. Like he is the modern day prototypical linebacker in my opinion. Um, like when you, when you look at what you want out of the position, I want Fred Warner. That's, that's what I would Mm -hmm. want. Um, but number one kind of shocked me a little when I opened this and then I looked at the list. I don't know that I'd have him above like some of these other players, like Lamar Jackson. I think Nick Bosa might even be a little bit more, but again, that's also the positional bias coming in, like looking at edge rusher and thinking that's more of an impact position, but I guess the argument could be made that out of all the edge rushers and then all the linebackers, you could you could argue like Fred Warner is a better linebacker for linebackers than Nick Bosa is edge rusher yeah. for edge rushers. Um, so I, again, I'm not I'm not no shade on Fred Warner. I don't want to get you all excited on uh, no. ang- or angry, but I probably put, wouldn't have put him at number one. I do like him a lot, but yeah, um, maybe like lower five to ten range where I would have put, probably put him. Well, I'm going to give you my top five list. Okay. And we're we going to embrace debate here. All right. I want to start at five. No, no, no. No, it's correct. Starting at one. Because my one is kind of shocking, I think. You're going to put Lamar Jackson I, and never the world is going to fucking... Hell no. He's he's <laughs> he's borderline top ten on my list. But I saw Bo- the five. Hey, Maybe. Borderline top ten for you is a compliment for Lamar Jackson. That is Jackson. pretty good. That is pretty good. Yeah. Good, good, fo- good running back. You know, he's pretty good, oh, God, pretty fast. So that helps him out. I think the top player, in my opinion, 24 and under, is Mika Fitzpatrick. Because yeah. he is, I think, the best safety in the league. I think him and Buda Baker are one and one A. Jamal Adams gets a lot of noise. But he's more of a linebacker, in my opinion. I don't really see him much as a safety. But Mika Fitzpatrick, ever since he got traded... To the Steelers, he's done nothing but dominate. Back-to-back All-Pro seasons, back-to-back Pro Bowl seasons. And when you look at this list, no other guys have dominated like he has in their first few years. You can say Lamar Jackson, of course, he's won MVP. But has Lamar Jackson been back-to-back All-Pros? No. And, and Micah Fitzpatrick has. And he's really the catalyst for that defense. Pretty good defense. I mean, TJ Watt might be the best player. But ever since Micah Fitzpatrick has gotten traded there... Is totally changed things, and he's only 24. I uh, one turn 25 to the end of this year. Safeties don't normally play all too long, so a guy like number two on my list, uh, Justin Herbert, might play longer, might be more dominant, have a better career. But at this point, Mika Fitzpatrick is underrated, like Fred Warner is, because he's not talked about enough as the best safety in the league. Yeah, and I think you know. I wouldn't have been as surprised had Minka Fitzpatrick been at top. I don't know that he's the best safety in the league. I think there's some other names up there. Um, Justin Simmons comes to mind uh, from from the Broncos. Maybe uh, I've seen Jesse Bates talked about as the best safety in the league on on the Bengals. Um, Also under 25, a good player. Oh, is he on this list too? Yeah, he's lower, but he's a good player too. 
Yeah, he is a good player. And then, you know, you got Matthew as well, or Matthew, or whatever you want to probably want to pronounce it. But Honey Badger. Honey Badger. We'll go with that. Yeah, he's, uh, he's, I don't, I think he's a little overhyped. He's got the name. He's a good player, though. So, yeah. Um, he makes big plays when it matters, which, I mean, that's what it comes down to. Yeah. I like your list so far better than theirs. So, <laughs> all right. So, number two, like I mentioned, Justin Herbert. And I think Justin Herbert would be one on this list if he played more than one year. Mm. So, that's how, Pro Football Focus also kind of factors in uh, as like look over a period of time when it comes to grading. And of course, quarterback grades don't typically aren't as high as like defenders. Um, that's just the way how it is. But Justin Herbert, I'm mean, going to Vegas in a few days. I have my money ready to put it down. MVP. Oh wow! Plus, plus, plus eight hundred. So I'll be very rich if it hits. Actually, not that rich. I'm playing playing bucks down. I'll not happen. But I'll be happy if it happens. And if you look at Justin Herbert, his career arc at this point, is insane. At this point last year, us, and probably most of the national media, were crapping all over him. And now he's looked at as a potential superstar in this league. In just one year. Yep. Well, that's all it takes, really, is just one year of performance. Yep. But, you know, that, there's pressure that comes with that, and we've seen sophomore slumps. So, you know, I believe in him a lot, and I, I like, actually, I like him at number two. You know, but what did they have him in this, in this initial list? It was pretty... It's seventeen. Seventeen. Seventeen which is a little disrespectful for the, yeah. the rookie of the year. I don't so, know. So like I yeah, I mean I said rookies like Chase Young on this list is seventh, but they have no and no disrespect to C D Lamb, they have him at thirteen. So they have him higher than Herbert. Well, and then you got Justin uh Jefferson ahead of like Up DK too. Metcalf too. Justin Jefferson yeah. had a phenomenal season. Phenomenal. Like, let's yeah. not get it twisted. But you know, if they're gonna if they're gonna look at one-year wonders, I don't know. I mean, DK Metcalf has a little bit more production over yeah, over time. Absolutely. Absolutely. I w- and and I, I just don't understand. I mean, CeeDee Lamb, I mean, DJ, DJ Moore is below CeeDee Lamb. And CeeDee Lamb plays for the, the Cowboys, so he's a bigger name, and he had more hype coming out of college. But DJ Moore, at this point, is a better receiver than CeeDee Lamb. So that's, that's the problem I have with this PFF rankings, but that's just how they roll. Yeah, DJ Moore had more production too, I believe. Just yeah, oh, well, absolutely more targets available and on on the Panthers as well for uh, yeah. DJ Moore versus CeeDee Lamb is pretty crowded in the wide receiver room. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. They uh, part of me loves that they're a little like not positionally biased with the quarterback position, like with uh, Kyler Murray being fifteenth and Justin Herbert being seventeenth. But then also part of me is like these guys should be higher. Like they they the impact they have game to game for their franchise is massive. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. So the third guy on my list, Fred Warner. We've talked about him. Oh boy. But one thing, but one thing I do want to mention, kind of once again, how this list is a little weird. How their list is a little weird. Devin White is on this list, and ESPN today had Devin White as the top linebacker in football. Hmm. So I'm not saying one. Oh, I'm saying Fred Warner is better than Devin White, but it's kind of interesting how. That list works. And we talked about Warner already. Uh, I think he's an incredible player. He's going to get paid. He's going to be the highest paid linebacker um, before training camp. Apparently, those negotiations have already started. See what happens. I mean, he's absolutely worth it uh, in my eyes. But we'll see what happens. He's more Luke Keekley than Ray Lewis. Luke Keekley never made any splash plays, but he was just so good before he you know, ultimately uh, kept getting concussions and kept getting hurt. But incredible player. Uh, moving on. Now, this one might be interesting as well. My fourth best on this list is A.J. Brown. 
And their receivers, like you've mentioned, they're deep. DK, uh, Justin Jefferson, DJ Moore. I think AJ Brown is the best one on this list because he's the best all-around player. DK Metcalf is the biggest freak. I mean, he's the biggest talent. Mm-hmm. Justin Jefferson had the best season. Currently, only one season, so maybe I'm, you know, only giving him a little biased because he's only one year wonder, maybe. Uh, CD Lamb, very talented, but AJ Brown, back-to-back a thousand-yard receiving years. And their offense in Tennessee isn't like the rest of the NFL in terms of they run the ball first and then want to pass. So his options aren't as great to put up numbers. If he played on a team like Minnesota, who was losing a lot of games last year and had to throw the ball, maybe he has Justin Jefferson type stats. I think he would because he's that talented. And he's coming off of two knee injuries, two knee surgeries, excuse me, which is kind of worrisome. But I think he's be the guy. 10 years from now, looking at this list and like, okay, he was the best one out of the bunch. Yeah. I, I don't necessarily disagree. And I think it's only going to improve with Julio Jones taking some pressure off him. I mean, yep. you know, I'm looking at it here. Pro Football Focus had him graded as the third best receiver in the entire league in 2020. Yeah. So whether you want to argue, you know, third or uh, Pro Football Focus ratings or this or that, that's, that's high praise regardless. And this guy, you know, don't get it mess, don't get it twisted. AJ Brown is probably the best receiver on this list. I, th- I think I agree with that. D- DK Metcalf might be the better deep threat, but um, AJ Brown, don't sleep on this guy. I feel like it's another name that maybe gets a little bit underappreciated. Mm-hmm. Um, but watch out this season, man. Julio Jones coming in. Not only will he be able to learn from one of the best receivers to play this game, but having him across from from A.J. Brown will will do wonders for him, I think. Oh, absolutely. The fact that A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf were teammates on Ole Miss and they yeah. were never good while they were there is the reason why Lane Kiffin is now their head coach. Uh, that's <laughs> terrible. I mean, all you had to do, Lurie, is get those guys a ball in their hand and they would have probably won you eight to nine games in the SEC, which is crazy. Uh, all right, so the last guy on my list, Nick Bosa. And this one was tough for me, actually, because I, cooking. I think if Nick Bosa didn't get hurt last year and you know, had back-to-back years of high play, he'd be number one on my list because he's a guy on this list who actually has playoff success. He dominated playoffs in 2019-2020, I guess it was. And in the Super Bowl, he was the best player on the field for three and a half quarters. Just so happens that Patrick Mahomes, the best player in the world, took over that last half quarter, so people don't talk about that Nick Bosa performance as much. But, of course, he tears his ACL, and I believe he tore his MCL as well. So he had a very serious knee injury. And he's not a guy that focused so much on athleticism, but I can't put him into the top three not knowing how he's going to look this upcoming year. But based on what I saw as a rookie, I mean, he the only thing stopping, I've said this before, the only thing stopping Nick Bosa from being a Hall of Famer is injuries. And it's a real, it's a real concern of mine. Yep. Yeah, injuries and just Nick Bosa. He's the only thing that can really stop him. I mean, he yeah. he can be number one on this list. Like, there is no doubt in my mind. He he has the potential to be the most talented pass rusher on this list for sure, and then one of the best in the league. Um, so we'll see. Obviously, you know, hopefully he stays healthy for the for the Niners organization because mm-hmm. that's going to be. We've seen this how the season goes as Nick Bosa goes down, as other players <laughs> go down for that organization. But Nick Bosa definitely an impact player. You know, I think a player that that I would have in the top five, just listening to your list, and this is going to make Casey happy somewhere on a, on a beach wherever he's drinking Mai Tais and listening to this, <laughs> but 
Um, Jair Alexander, I think, should be in the mm. top five. I think he's one of the best corners in the league, and I didn't even realize how young he was, to be honest. I didn't even know he would be eligible for yeah. this list. Um, feels like he's been in the league for a little while now. But um, I vividly remember when the Packers drafted him, and I desperately wanted the Eagles to take him, and I was just so upset that we didn't get the chance to draft him. And uh, lo and behold, he is now one of the best corners in the league. Yeah, he's really become the kind of chess piece in the back end for the Packers. Put him in the slot, put him out wide, guard whoever it's going to need to guard, and he'll shut him down. He'll get paid, I presume, pretty soon. And most corners, most successful corners, I guess, they're they're a little mouthy. They're, they're divas. You, know, you got the Jalen Ramseys of the world, yeah. Deion Sanders, uh, Darrell Rivas. And for the most part, it seems that Jair is pretty low-key. He keeps his mouth shut. He just goes out there and balls. So he's a guy who's, like Fred Warner, for the most part, underrated in terms of his what well, he should be. If he talked as much game as Jalen Ramsey did, people would be talking about him a lot more. And it's kind of weird because he plays on a team that's pretty good. Last two years, his team has been in the NFC Championship game. So maybe now that Aaron Rodgers is slowly or maybe quickly taking a step back from the Packers, Alexander becomes maybe their new face of the franchise. Yeah, and this is all also considering, you know, um, Kevin King was uh, was opposite from him, who's now yeah. back, unfortunately. But uh, <laughs> hey, fortunately, that's my guy. Oh, that's your guy. That's right. You went to high school with him, right? Yep. Oh yeah. yeah. That that's your guy for sure. And he, you know, he's not Casey's guy. But uh, anyways, <laughs> when we look at kind of what Jerry Alexander has done, like if you look at the past seventeen games, uh, he allowed three hundred and fifty three yards Jeez. across those entire and across that time span, which is pretty nuts when you break it down. I'm pretty sure Kevin King allowed that like in the playoffs. It's so one game, yeah, one game. I, probably not. But like he's, you know, when <laughs> you think far. about how that stretches out over that time span that's a that's a pretty damn good performance from a corner which in my opinion is one of the tougher positions to play in this league so um jair alexander i'm jealous that you're not an eagle and you haven't been but uh props to you you'd be in my top five for sure uh who else is on this list that that's been kind of slept on that should be in this in this top top five potentially uh tristan worfs i mean he's ranked nine i mean i think properly rated but he's kind of underrated because he's really good left tackle for a rookie yeah, uh, an offensive lineman don't normally come in there and just dominate like he did. Uh, he's a really good player. Jesse Bates mentioned him. He's if he was on a team that wasn't the Bengals, people a team would hear with other people on defense potentially. Liter- literally anybody else. Yeah. Uh, he would he would also be talked about a lot. And one guy we talked about him when we did the, our uh, AFC South preview with uh, Jonathan Taylor. Everyone kind of high hopes for him, and he didn't necessarily sprint out of the gate. He, he took him about. 10 weeks to get going. But by the end of the year, he was playing as good as any running back in the entire league. Yep. And if he can continue that success uh, into 2021, 2022, he is going to be a problem in this league. If you're a fantasy guy, first round pick, Jonathan Taylor, no question about it. Maybe even a top five pick. I haven't done much fantasy research at this point, uh, but he is going to be something special. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor is an absolute beast. I think when Marlon Mack went down is when he just yep, started. Yep just the the wheels just i don't even know the expression i'm trying to think of right now but he just <laughs> balled out when he got a chance to um and i think he'll be the lead back marlon mack is still there though i think and naeem hines does get does get some third down touches and, um, yeah hines is still there i'm not sure about mack i'm checking right now because he's a free okay. agent oh, yeah, he's is, back is he? yeah he's, he's he's back he's only 25 holy crap 
Yeah, but but either way, Jonathan Taylor should get the start. This is oh, going to yeah. be a run-heavy team regardless. So mm-hmm. even if they split carries a bit, Jonathan Taylor will still be a, uh, a good shout for your fantasy teams. Um, and I know this because a team that I played knocked me out of the playoffs. Um, because of Jonathan Taylor. Taylor. So, yes, and it was very unfortunate. But anyways, um, yeah, definitely look out for him in fantasy leagues. I don't know about top five, but maybe first round. For sure. I need to do my research. I haven't done much fancy research yet, so I gotta look into that. Draft but, him before Ezekiel Elliott, I think. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I mean, besides Christian McCaffrey and Dirk Henry, what surefire running back? I mean, you, you, you could say wise? Dalvin Cook for sure is, is okay, up Dalvin there. Cook, but Dalvin Cook. All right, injuries, fair. you know, are are obviously a concern. That is, that is um, fair. That is fair. I'm trying to think who else. I mean, I'm sure we're forgetting somebody, but like that's top five, Alvin top Kamara? five, top six. Like Kamar, Kamar. he's up that's there the, so right now that's yeah that's and saquon right saquon barkley potentially too yeah um, he's hurt though so it's tough yeah, but like yeah i'll do like when i'm looking at this list mccaffrey was just <laughs> out delvin cook you know uh, past yeah missed yeah. two games every year nick chubb maybe chubb casey would probably argue aaron jones well, Casey uh, if, would you, put, if you were here he would you put it you put him at first he said you'd be the best running back in the league yeah um yeah, I, I think I think probably somewhere between five and ten, I'd take Jonathan. Yeah, Taylor. oh, definitely, definitely, yeah, for sure. Um, all right, who else? Who else we got? Let's, let's touch on on someone else, and then we'll move on to our would you rather's. Uh, would you touch on Justin Herbert? I think mm-hmm. I might have him at number one personally, uh, just yeah, because of his his potential. And Kyler Murray's fifteen, so they have Kyler Murray. Granted, larger sample size, they have him above Herbert, and I am a Kyler Murray fan because I think he's really talented, but I wouldn't say like he didn't get that much better from year one to year two. Like sure. I thought he would. I thought he was gonna be a possible MVP candidate. And he didn't play bad by any means, but he didn't take that next step forward like a lot of people imagined. Yeah, as a passer, but he did rush. Yes, much. Well, he's better. a great runner. Yeah. yeah. Um. I mean, I- I think Kyler Murray deserves to be kind of where he is on this list, to be honest. I, like, Yo, I, I, agree, I agree, I agree, but I'm surprised that he's ahead of Herbert. I agree with that, 100%. Yeah. But I think it's that rookie bias. You know, you look at one mm-hmm. season of production and you're hesitant to give him... I mean, Joe Burrow's not even on this list. I know he, he was injured, but... Yeah, um, well, well, yeah, like six games. So I guess you need at least a full season of sample size. Yeah. But it's PFF, so who knows? It's PFF. They probably have some data metrics as far as like... <laughs> yeah they ruled out people who didn't play a certain amount of games or something. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I mean, would Joe Burrow be in, uh, where would Joe Burrow be hypothetically for you? If, if he was <sighs> eligible, so I mean, Her- it's small sample Herbert, size, but yeah. where would he be? Herbert one. Okay. <clears throat> I'd have to go Kyler two, Lamar three, Burrow four. Okay. Just quarterbacks. We're talking about quarterbacks. Here. And then in terms of overall, and I would say probably where Herbert is, 17, between 17 and 20. Okay, yeah. But once again, it's smaller sample size, but what he showed was, I thought, good enough to have a lot of hope. Yeah, and again, on a Bengals team that was overall struggling. They were in some close games, too. Like, they, it, there were some when, winnable yeah. games that they ended up losing, like, in, in very Bengals fashion. But, yeah. um, that you know, he, he I think, exceeded my expectations f- briefly before he got hurt. Um, yeah. So we'll see what happens. Excited to see him back on the field. Uh, any final thoughts on this list before we move on to the next segment here? Not just on the list, 
but I do find it funny that Burrow is older than Kyler Murray. Is he almost really? A whole year, but almost a whole well, year. Well, he was. Like, a, didn't he stay in college in for like year. five years? Yeah. Yeah, the fifth year, and Kyler lasted. I think Kyler three, played four three, years, three years, I think. Three years, college, and yeah. then he. I think he might have registered a year, maybe, but still. Oh, okay. um, but Burrow's also older for his his. Uh, you know, well, age, is he even but, eligible uh, for this list? Yeah, 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 yeah he's twenty four. Okay, he's cool. <laughs> yeah, but I was thinking maybe twenty five. Just an interesting point uh, to make that you know he's only played six games and you have guys like Lamar Jackson younger than him. That's and true. Kyler Murray younger than him who are you know two three years in league. So interesting point. Yeah, that's sort of the like the NBA model where you know get yeah. him in, get him as a in a pro get system young. early and develop him. But um, yeah, that'd be interesting to see if the league kind of trends that way. It's a possibility yeah. mm-hmm. for sure. It, it could. All right, let's dive in to our would-you-rather scenarios. Always love doing these. Super exciting. Uh, I'm going to let you kind of take charge here and, and lead, the, uh, lead the segment, and, and I'll give you my instant reaction to your your uh, yes. hopefully relatively wacky scenarios. <laughs> the, fir- the first one here is my favorite we've done so far. So would you rather have a punter that automatically pins the other team within the five-yard line, but you miss every field goal, greater than 30 yards or automatically make every field goal up to 50 yards but your punts and kickoffs always gives the team a field position at their own 40 oh my god oh my this god. is tough this one is tough uh, hmm i i think i'm gonna go with the punter the punter pinning them in the five yard line um and then making field goals within 30 i would hope that my team would not have to Ah, but then you have those like game-winning field goals and stuff. I don't know. I think ideally you don't want to be in a situation where you're forced to make long field goals constantly. So I'm going to go punter that pins the other team within the five-yard line. I think that's more impactful than people realize in, mm-hmm. in terms of field position. And, and uh, I, I'm guessing there's some stat somewhere that says that teams that are pinned within the five-yard line, their drives are like X percent less... Um, likely to be touchdowns or, or score so i'm gonna go the first one i agree with you i agree with you i hate when teams go for like 32 yard field goals it drives me absolutely crazy unless it's like a you know long in distance but i like teams that are aggressive so i rather my team be aggressive you know and if they lose the ball you know or they turn over on downs going you know now, on their own, like, 30-yard line, I'm okay with that because they're still pretty backed-up defense. And a punter having that situation where they can pin the ball deep, that's huge. And then field goals are fun, obviously, but giving your defense a short field almost negates that. Yep. So if you make field goals, pin them at their own 40, all they need is 25 yards to gain field goal position, which is a very short uh, you know, area to gain. So I'm sure NFL coaches will also agree with us that they could live with no field goals, but they would take their defense having an advantage uh, every time by their you know punter being so excellent. Absolutely. All right. Up next, we got. I know you're. I know you're going on this one. But I'm gonna be opposite. I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure. We'll see though. Okay. All right. the The best defensive line in the league, but you had the worst offensive line, or have the worst defensive line in the league, but the best offensive line. Oof. Oh man. That's tough because I value both of these tremendously. Exactly. Um, damn, I hmm. I think I'm gonna have to go best offensive line. Well, we agree again. 
we, we agree, agree again, again actually <laughs> you thought we i was agreed. gonna go defensive line yeah i'm gonna go defensive line it's close it's honestly a close call i i just feel like if you have a shit offensive line it's really difficult to do things on yep. offense and, and be creative and innovative your offense becomes a little bit more vanilla uh and predictable and then just the effect of of pressure i've seen it as an eagles fan when you know when we had all our backups in that at offensive line it's just i feel like it's way more negatively impactful on the game um and you just really can't get anything going whereas on defense maybe there's a way to mitigate a little bit of lack of pressure we've seen some teams scheme around it and also if you have a bad defensive line hopefully you're investing some capital in your secondary which may make up for it a little bit um but yeah i think i don't know i think i'm gonna have to go offensive line it's you know it's the less sexy of the two but just being able to block is fundamental to to getting things done on offense yeah a great offensive line can elevate a quarterback can elevate a running back and mm-hmm. therefore elevate a receiver group but if you have no offensive line your offense is going to score i don't care how good i mean saw patrick Mahomes in the super bowl he was scrambling for his life and he, the offense for the chiefs which was so dominant couldn't get anything going yep uh great defensive line is uh, are great to have but i think if you have good linebackers and a good secondary you know, I, you won't have a good defense, but your defense won't be terrible, which it would be if you had a bad offensive line. Your offense would be terrible. So, yeah, we're two for two so far. Two for two. Look at us. Who would have thought? Look at us. Not me. Not me. All right. Would you rather have Patrick Mahomes be your quarterback, but he's guaranteed to miss eight games a year, and your backup quarterback is Nate Peterman? Or would you rather have Tay Bridgewater be your quarterback and guarantee that he plays a full season? Oh God, dude! This is awful. Would you? <laughs> can you pick the eight games that he can miss? Like, how does it, is yes. it eight consecutive yes. games, or can I? Select? No, it's just, it's just random eight games. And uh, random eight games. You don't even get to choose. Random eight, yeah. Random eight. Oof. Uh, hmm. The problem is, I feel like these are like even, almost. <laughs> you know what I mean? That, that, that's why it's a would you rather. I feel like it averages out having Patrick Mahomes, arguably the best quarterback, and then Nathan Peterman for eight games. Like th- that combo to me equals Teddy Bridgewater, like over <laughs> 16, 17 games. Uh, so, I don't, oh man, I don't know. I think I think I'm gonna go. <sighs> I think I'm gonna go Teddy Bridgewater on this one. See, I'm going, I'm going Mahomes and Peterman because I figure, oh, let's say this 16-game schedule. Let's go based on last year's half the games. I think if you have Mahomes out there, at worst, you're going 6-2, and two, at absolute worst. I think if you have the proper coaching, you can string together two or three wins with Peterman and make yourself competitive. Yeah, but then you're 8-8. Eight with, eight. With, with a 16-game season, you're 8-8 eight eight Yeah, at that point. But I think best-case scenario... With Bridgewater, he wins nine games, but more likely wins like six or five, depending on the team he has. So Mahomes is going to give you a puncher's chance. And if your team, you know, who knows how the games are, maybe your teammates, you know, they'll be more motivated to play for Peterman because they see how bad he is. They know you got to step it up. I think Peterman, you can win one or two games out of eight. I think it depends uh, on the coaching, depends on the team. Know, man. I think like, if you put Peterman on the Chiefs roster, I think they can go two and six, or three and five even. Yeah, I'm just, I'm not sure about that. Like, just Peterman's bad, dude. Like he's he's very bad. 
He's very bad. It depends he, on the cast around him, but Mahomes, Mahomes is at, I think at worst six and two. So I gives. You, I agree with that. You know, I agree with that. That gives you a good chance. That gives you a good chance at least to make the playoffs. But I think Peterman might very well might be 0 and 8. Like there's a definite <laughs> possibility that he could be 0 and 8 in that Not scenario. Impossible. If you could Not here's impossible. what I'll say. Here's what I'll say. If I could pick the games that Mahomes has to sit like he's out like Okay. If I could yeah, pick yeah. and choose like all right, we're playing the Jets. Mahomes Missed that you're game. sitting this yep. game or something like that. Then I'd probably go that route. If I could be strategic about it. I would do that. But if it's going to be random, then I have no faith that Peterman will win a game. It's tough. It's tough. Yeah. I can't believe I have to believe Nate Peterman, but you know, I just trust Mahomes that much. And I don't like Bridgewater that much either. I don't really like Bridgewater either, but I feel like he's average. He's Maybe good enough to keep he's, you. He's good enough to not necessarily. Yeah. I, I don't know. If the rest of the team is good, Bridgewater could win you a game potentially if the rest of the That's team fair. is good. Yeah. That's fair. Anyways, That's fair. all right. Next one. All right, last one. Last one here. Would you rather have the best linebacker in the league at the mm. height of his game, which means oh, he's playing the best Ray Lewis type athlete type player for eight years, solid eight years, best linebacker in the league, or would you rather have the best pass rusher in the league for four years? So only four years of elite play, and after that, he's either you know, retires or something happens off the team. Uh, pass rusher, easy. See, I'm one linebacker. Easy. Easy. It's pass it rusher, li- dude. But if you have eight years of high-level play, that is a cornerstone player. That You put him in there, and he's going to make your secondary better and make your pass rush better for eight years. That's two rookie contracts, essentially. Best pass rusher in a year for four years helps you a ton. Don't get me wrong. I mean, pass rusher is much more important than linebacker. But for four years, that's so short. That really is short. And in comparison to eight years of linebacker, give me the longevity, trying to build a roster, trying to build a team here, a foundation. Give me the, the longevity overall. Longevity is overrated. Let's get it right now. Push all That's the fair. chips in with the best pass rusher for four years. Build around that. I, I'm going with the pass rusher. I think just the impact that pass rushers make on the game, uh, play to play, is much more important. And I will easily take the best pass rusher, even if it's half of the amount of years. And I think that most people would agree with you. But I'm, most, I'm a linebacker. Most people are just super smart and good looking. Like me. <laughs> I'm, I'm just a linebacker, you know, lost linebacker fan in the world. Yeah. Hey, when I was a kid, I used to really enjoy like like linebackers were the most fun sort of position when I was when I was a kid, and we had like some good ones too growing up. Like what was it, Ray Lewis? You mentioned Brian Urlacher. Like Erlach. it was some Lance fun. Briggs. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was a, it was like a. I think the league kind of changed and made linebackers a little yes. less important um, yes. inherently. But, you know, no hate on linebackers. I just think edge rushers are way more important. Hey, that's fair. That's, that's fair. fair. That's fair. All right. Well, let's wrap things up there on episode 98. Thank you for sticking with us and tuning in. We hope you had a great time. I know we did. Before we head out, uh, we only have one co-host with me, but want to give Durgan a chance to plug some content that you should be on the lookout for. Anything you want to let the listeners know about? Yep, for me, Sam House, Gotta Report, uh, it's already up. Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, he'll be up next week. That guy is going to be really freaking good. And uh, Casey has a Dante Johnson, Deontay Johnson, uh, and his potential in the new Steelers offense, a video and an article, uh, which will be up Thursday, I believe. Nice. Yeah, that sounds that sounds interesting for sure. We also have a top 10 tight end fantasy 
mm-hmm. list that you should check out if you're getting ready for your fantasy drafts a little early. But um, some interesting names on there that you might not have thought of that could be some steals for you later in the draft. I would make sure to check that out. Um, but without further ado, this has been a weekly spiral production bringing you fresh football every single week. Thank you again for sticking with us for episode 98. We hope whatever else you get up to the rest of the day, it is awesome. And we'll catch you next week for episode 99.